0: My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is my first uh, long version of Martha Martha. I'll continue doing my five or ten minutes in the mornings um, of just encouragement for mums, but I've had some questions submitted that I think are, are important to address, and this one in particular, I was actually asked, could you get a priest on who would be willing to talk about um, the role of parents in uh, the education of their children. And so I have a very dear friend, Father Harrison here, um, who are you meeting, and he uh, agreed that he would uh, tackle this particular topic. He's a very dear friend of ours and a priest here on Vancouver Island, um also a podcaster at Clerically Speaking. Um, I'm going to share with you very briefly how we met uh, so that you know. So before Father was uh, a seminarian even, we um had a mutual friend. My husband and I teach ballroom dancing. Not We're not teachers, but we would teach all the kids in our community. As uh, some of our kids were getting to be teenagers, they wanted to learn swing dance. Well, we don't do swing dance, so uh, a friend of ours said, oh, well, I know a, a fellow who does swing dance. Um, he's not a teacher, but I'm sure he'd be happy to to show you some stuff. And so he gave me Father Harrison's number, who was then just regular old Harrison. Uh, so I called Harrison. He said, yeah, for sure, I'll do that. And he came and then uh, came for dinner afterwards after he gave his lesson. And uh, the rest is history. We've been friends ever since. So, uh, so welcome. And I'm so grateful Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's that was that's all. That's fourteen years ago now. I yeah, think, roughly, yeah, because Lydia yeah. was a I newborn. So. Yeah. Yeah, which is just, that's a long time.
0: <laughs> it is a long time. Feel, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Father was ordained in 2015, so, you know, like, time marches six, on, whether we like years, it or not. Yeah, I know. It just
1: it, it just passes by. <laughs> no, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so welcome. We're. Um, it's been so such a pleasure for us to be sort of just part of your journey, right, Um. through seminary and, and ordination. Yeah, I know you guys, and, yeah, and you guys
1: have been a great help, too. I still, I still actually remember... Briefly, we when we went to Seattle for the homeschool conference, right? traveling in the van and everything with all the kids, <laughs> and at the end of it, I was like, priesthood's just looking great right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I remember you saying that to me. <laughs> I say it yeah.
1: tongue-in-cheek, but this still, was, it's was just like... It was
0: pretty brave, yeah. though. You got to admit, it was a pretty
1: brave move on your part. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a
0: good time. Uh, yes. What a life, eh? <laughs> So before we get into the meat of it, would you mind just opening uh, in prayer for us? Sure. Kay.
1: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy, Son Spirit. Holy Spirit. And Spirit, Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle us with the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
0: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death.
1: Holy uh, St. Mary, St. Joseph, pray for us. I was going to say Holy, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was basically family, because it doesn't quite work with the pray for us thing. So
0: we'll be talking about family. So yes, exactly. Um, Okay. So I'll just share with you the original question that was submitted to me, Mm -hmm. just sort of as a starting place, um, is, I would love to hear an interview with a priest about the role of parents as the primary educators uh, in the home and about learning uh, the learning that can happen at mass. Okay, beyond. I think she probably means beyond uh, the learning about our faith. Right. Which I think the learning opportunities are plenty. I don't know if we're going to get to that question. We may have to do this again. Mm -hmm. So my original plan was I would take the articles in the catechism and some specifically speak to the parents as primary educators of their children. and but we'd go through those articles, you know, and there's maybe I don't know a dozen articles, uh, eight or ten pages, I would say, of articles in the Catechism, uh, dealing with family life, which are all <laughs> exquisitely written and 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 beautiful and um, very full. What I didn't realize was how full they were until I got into them. And I thought, you know what, I'm narrowing this way down to like two or three articles because mm-hmm. there's just too much to, to deal with. And mm-hmm. so just the articles really dealing with our role as primary educators. Um, so I was wondering if actually to start off with, because I have non-Catholic followers, mm-hmm. if you wanted to just sort of speak to the structure of the Catechism and what it is as a tool for Catholics.
1: And so like catech or at least the catechism is referred to today is, uh, the result of something John Paul II did, uh, I want to say 1991, maybe, or maybe 1996, one of those two dates. Anyways, uh, mid sometime in the nineties, he released the uh, catechism of the Catholic church as a way, as a, it's meant to be a summary of the teachings of the church to help us live our lives as a little reference book. I still know sometimes in RCIA where people become Catholic, uh, you know, some people say, just read the catechism all year. I'm like, well, it's not meant to be read cover to cover. It's meant more as a reference book. Yeah. Um, Right. And so it goes over four things. It goes over the creed, the 10 commandments, the, our father and life of prayer. And in those four kind of points, I'm pretty sure it's the four points. Um, uh, in those four points, it kind of goes through the whole substance of our belief and teachings in the church. So it it's always referencing the tradition It's often referencing scripture. The church fathers show up in it a lot. It is not meant to be the definitive guide, but it's meant to be like, yeah, that reference book. So we can know what does the church teach on this? So I can apply it to my life and I can know if I'm fault follow- you know, or I have a question. Is this according to the church's teaching? We can look into that, etc. cetera. So uh, right. it's meant to be a reference that way. And then, um, but it's not the only catechism we have um, because then in, uh, just before he became Pope, then Cardinal Ratzinger had helped compile, he helped put together the Catechism with, along with Cardinal Schoenberg, but he also helped compile something called the Compendium to the Catechism, which is.
0: Now, is this. Do I have the companion. Is this different?
1: Yeah, so that's the companion, I believe, okay. is explanatory. The compendium is smaller and it's okay. in a more of a question answer format and it's a bit easier to read. Um, and it probably is something you could read cover to cover quite easily. okay. Um, and so it's meant to just kind of done it, do it in a more summary fashion, what's covered in the larger catechism. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's just there as a reference guide to help us know, what does the church teach? And, okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you um, sort of identified the reference nature, because I mean, it's a big book, right? And for somebody raising children or somebody new to the faith, this is going to be pretty overwhelming. <laughs> um, and at the same time, the pages say, just on family life, you know, there's very readable right? It's yeah. not it's not heavily theological, uh, very well supported. So each, I'll just sort of show the readers, sort of anyone who's watching on YouTube, things are done in articles, right? And so each little article is also referenced uh, several times, usually by either scripture references um, or references, most often scripture references, but also references to previously, um, previous declarations made by different popes or encyclicals. Um, so very, very well referenced. And that's I, my understood standing was that that's what this was, was it went through those reference texts. So if somebody wanted to say, oh, okay, I actually want to know more about that article. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look up all of the references. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, so probably having all of those things would be helpful in our, in sort of our spiritual lives, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to refer to those things easily, right? Or, or yeah. gain clarity, right?
1: Yeah. Whenever someone's trying to become Catholic, I always say you need three books. You need the Bible, obviously, a c- catechism. And actually this is a, it's not any official church document. I always recommend Catholicism for Dummies, which is actually a great readable. I've heard it's a fantastic well. book. Yeah. So those are the three books I always give to RCIA candidates for thinking about becoming Catholic. Like if you have these three books, you're pretty set.
0: Okay. Cool. All right. So dealing with this particular question, Mm -hmm. um, every line, like literally in all those um, articles from articles are numbered. Okay. So from 2204 to 2231, those are the um, articles dealing with family life, right? Um, And the duty of parents, the duties of children uh, and, you know, a a pretty easy read. But in terms of what I thought I'd like to do with you is take Mm -hmm. a couple of those articles and kind of unpack them line by line, Mm -hmm. you know, and mainly looking at the questions what does this mean? What does this sentence mean? Mm -hmm. Um, what does it look like in family life Mm -hmm. or, or how do I respond? How do I discern Mm -hmm. how to respond? What parents really need and struggle with the most, I think is agree. What do I do? Right. What is the action that I take based on this information that I have? Mm -hmm. What action is appropriate for me to take in my family life? And so, you know, I think that that's, that's an important thing to look at. Right. Um, so I'm going to the ones I'll focus on mostly here is two, 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 one and two, 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 three. So I'll read it um, just sort of start reading them off. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So this section is called the duties of parents. Okay. I'll read the whole paragraph first. It's short. And then we can sort of go line by line. The fecundity of conjugal love cannot be reduced solely to the procreation of children, but must extend to their moral education and their spiritual formation. The role of parents in education is of such importance that it is almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute. The right and duty of parents to educate their children are primordial and inalienable. So let's go back to the first sentence. So, you know, let's just define the terms, maybe if you can you know, sort of yeah. unpack this for us. The fecundity of conjugal love cannot be reduced solely to the procreation of children, but must extend to their moral education and their spiritual formation.
1: Right, so um, when we're talking about conjugal love, like this is the the love between spouses, uh, between a man and a woman, and and fecundity is um, both the ability to reproduce, but it's all and 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 um, and, and so this idea is that conjugal the, the fruit of conjugal love is not just having a kid,
0: essentially, right?
1: right? That conjugal love is is not this reducible biological factor right this is actually constant teaching around the church's whole sexual ethic really is this idea that that conjugal love is something that's really expressed in the variety of of roles and missions in the family and and so um the unity of spouses is meant to overflow constantly into the children you don't just have a kid and just kind of let them do their thing and dispense of them when you want, when you're not wanting them but really that there's meant to be an intimate involvement in their life and in their raising right so hence the, this is why the the catechism then extends that by saying it must expend to their, extend to their moral education and their spiritual formation. So there's a couple of things it's saying there, right? It's saying that it's important for the parents to be the ones who form their children in the life of morality, like what's right and wrong, what's, what's good and bad. This is the duty of parents. It really actually isn't the duty of society. I mean, society plays a role, too. Right? We are involved with groups. Um, we have good friends and family who are extended, who help us with these things, but really the, the people who have the direct authority are the parents themselves, but also their spiritual formation. And I think that's, um, that's a, I mean, both of these are big ones because, I mean, they're both big because the moral f- formation is about how to live essentially, mm-hmm. while the spiritual formation, I mean, it's also about how to live, but it's, it's, um, that it's actually really going to depend on the parents to do these things. And this is a hard thing to do because we know, I'm sure, parents often feel inadequate to different tasks, mm-hmm. right? They don't feel they're capable of handing this. maybe handing on spiritual formation. They might not feel very spiritual themselves, for example. And so it or becomes or hard.
0: well-informed. Or, or well-informed, exactly, yeah. right?
1: So it gets very hard and it gets very scary. And so often when that happens, my experience is, is that that's when we say, well, we'll get other groups to come in to do the formation for us. Right. And it's not a bad thing that can complement, but it it really has a heart in place first and foremost, the parents. Like I say, often with religious education, if you aren't praying at home with your kids, I can teach them everything they need to know about the church and it probably won't make a difference because it's not being lived at home. So right. when it's talking about moral and spiritual formation, it doesn't just mean like actually taking the time, sitting them down and, and giving them lessons, but an experience of life really in the home, right? Yeah. That prayer is natural to our family, right? This that going to church, this is what we, yeah. <laughs> this is just kind of what you do. Right. Yeah. Um, those kind of things Say with the moral formation, it's like, uh, the comfort to talk to our parents if we're struggling with the moral issue or, or that our parents do moral formation in such a way as to mold us. Like that's what formation means. It really means to form, to, to mold something. Right. Mm-hmm. So to mold us towards being a saint um, through example. Right. So do I see my parents seeking out the poor, those in need uh, being hospitable, etc. Because even often we know children learn more through example than mm-hmm. through didactic learning, especially early on. So those things are part of formation. Formation's not just sitting down with books, it's a way of life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a you know, this is so vital. And I think that, you know, in this era, anyways, I think most parents are are aware of that this is what, you know, this is what it is. If I'm going to mm-hmm. take on this life. I need to be doing this right, and I think maybe you know, maybe a good moment to actually just sort of speak to like when I came into this, I was very poorly formed. I, I was mm-hmm. a brand new Catholic. I really you know knew nothing, and uh, even you know once I came into the church, I still knew nothing. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, but We've pretty okay, much still know nothing. But if we feel inadequate um, or know that we're inadequate, because yeah. that was certainly the case for me, uh, what? What are the first steps that we can take as parents to be able to live this out? Because we know we don't need to be ideal, Mm -hmm. right? But what can we be? Where do we start?
1: Yeah. And I think actually that's part of it. It's accepting the fact that you'll never be ideal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, You're not, you can't do this perfectly. This is the whole point of grace, right? God also steps in and does a work too through you. But he's he's the one at work here. He's gonna, he's going to draw you, you and your family close to you. So don't expect perfection, but just start with faithfulness. And so if it means like I really don't know, but I know how to pray the divine mercy chaplet. So I'm gonna pray that or I'm at least gonna pray it so my kids see it. Maybe they're too young to really kind of join in yet, but yeah. I'm gonna pray it so they see it, right? One of because like one of the things I hear, especially perhaps when older people pass away. Is they say, oh yeah, my parents were very devout people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I asked them, like, well, what was the prayer life like? Oh, well, I never saw them pray. Yeah, it breaks that's my heart. It, it breaks yeah. my heart. I don't. It's not to say they weren't devout, but it's just it, it, it's. So it, you you start with being simple. We go to mass. We, we pray at home, like we say grace before meals. Um, that's spiritual formation. Um, mm-hmm. um, that where well, holy
0: they, pictures if, in your yeah home, yeah right? exactly like
1: yeah, and if your kids are going to religious education class, like. When they get home, what did you talk? I was talk about today. What did you learn about, right? Or you know, maybe you want to go into the classes with your kids so that you mm-hmm. can then learn with them, right? Like there's all sorts of things. Like, or you want to teach at home? Well, then you depend on others. Like, there's not. It's never going to be perfect. But I just think it's so vital that when kids see and have their parents take interest in their f- formation, both morally, and spiritually, and they can add like humanly, etc. Um, mm-hmm. It really. Instills in them the sense that this is important, and, and but it's done in such a way that it's life giving. Yeah. Right. Like we have, you know, we go to church. Why? Well, because we're Catholic, and that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. well, <laughs> I guess yeah. sort of, but that's not really going to say like, "Ooh, I want to be a Catholic." When they're older, exactly. but it's like, well, no, I love Jesus, and we and being at mass is when I can be closest to him. Well, great, yeah. that's a great answer for a kid. Yeah. You don't have to be, and you. Here's the other thing: you probably will teach the wrong thing once in a while.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, that example, right? I yeah. mean, that's just a reality that you have to live with, but you have yeah. to rely on grace then, right?
1: Well, and this is, yeah. yeah. So this is the other thing. If, 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 if marriage and that conjugal love is also something sacramental for, for the Catholic, then um, grace also is at work there always. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's, and just through our baptism itself, but also through the, the, the grace of the conj- that conjugal love that has been consecrated in marriage is always at work in the family.
0: Yeah. Always yeah, under. And it's a beautiful thing. It's something that uh, years ago I had a, um, this fabulous old, old, old priest uh, say to me, you know, when God entered into, um, when you, when you got married, God entered into a covenant with you. Mm-hmm. And in that, co- the covenant means that he can't say no to you. If you ask for graces, he can't say no, but you have to ask. Mm-hmm. Right, that's your responsibility. His responsibility is to fulfill his end of the covenant. Yours is to fulfill yours by asking. So every day, get down on your knees and beg for the graces uh, promised you in the sacrament of marriage, which are not mm-hmm. just for your marriage, but for mm-hmm. the fruit of your marriage, your children. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And and yeah. whatever ministry you're involved in, if you are or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Hundred percent. So yeah. the grace is always there and always working.
0: Yeah, here's another little thing that, that um, I'm not sure where it'll fit into the conversation here. But I know I've had moms say, as they have, you know, more kids, maybe they have one or two or three or whatever. And as they get along, they realize, you know, their prayer life isn't the same as before they had children. Right. <laughs> and, you know, that can be an adjustment if you're not prepared for that. That, you know, people can spend long times, maybe long times in adoration or long times in silent prayer or or spiritual reading. And that goes away. When you have kids, right mm-hmm. and I, I think that maybe it'd be nice to speak to that because you know the nature of our vocation has changed, so therefore our prayer lives must also but you know people I think people can end up feeling like well i'm not I'm not as close to God as I was
1: right and I mean when you're I, I find when you're settling into the vocational mission uh, that's usually the toughest time to really have a solid prayer life and i mm-hmm. and I say this as a, even as a priest, it's like as you're getting settled into it, it's it's hard to it get things regular, years, right? right? Well, it yeah. takes a few years because, like, you have to get used to a new way of life, like you get phone calls all of a sudden that are going to literally destroy your entire schedule for the day, <laughs> and you don't want it to, you don't plan for it, but it does. And so, how are you going to adjust your prayer life with this? And that takes time to learn how to deal with that, right? So, it's the same thing with family. So, I think first thing is Patience with that, with yourself, with that, and recognizing too, like remember what St. Paul says, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too or sighs too deep for words. And mm-hmm. so God, God in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is always interceding for us to the Father. Um, so we can take comfort in that. You know, when we go to mass, we're still praying, even if the kids are climbing all over the pews. <laughs> The church what is prayer in Christ. Today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> church is still prayer because here's the beautiful thing. It's really not our work. It's Christ who draws us to him. So you just keep comforted in the, with the church. Like this is the beautiful thing about public worship as in a church, in the church is it is Christ's work. And we show up and like, even as a priest, something like actually someone was saying to me just this morning, like I was perhaps a little, um, or no, this afternoon, like, oh, you seemed a little hurried yesterday. I was like, yeah, because my brain was on something else afterwards. And so I couldn't get it out of my brain. And so that just kind of changed my habits. And so like everybody go, but mass happened and I was there as best I could be. And perhaps not as well as I would like to be, but I was there and God did his work and that's beautiful. So you can take comfort in that. Like, that's the beautiful thing about the sacramental life of of the Catholic church is that Mm -hmm. it is something that's, it's God's work for us who sometimes can't do the work. But at the same time, I do think like, I do think it's worth and I know, again, I know kids interrupt things, et cetera, but there's often a time of the day where the kids are hopefully all asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I usually, usually at the end of the day when they're all in bed, you're usually exhausted, but then just try to give God. And
0: You froze up there for a minute. Oh, if you can just repeat sorry. that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just try to give God five minutes in that quieter time of the day, whether it means waking up a little bit earlier before the kids do or, and, you know, recognizing things or, or you know, um, or when everyone's in bed, whatever it might be, or maybe even trying, like, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Maybe, it's, I mean, I know, again, it's hard, especially with littler ones, you know, trying to say, hey, guys, we're going to pray a decadence. Now we're going to take a moment of quiet prayer to talk to Jesus in our hearts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It'll also then tr- help the kids learn that silence is important and that if they see mom and dad, quietly praying that they know not to interrupt because they know mm-hmm. mom and dad need this to serve. And like, also tell the kids like, Hey kids, do you what? mom and dad just need five minutes to go and pray for you guys. Um, can you guys just quietly stay here for a bit little things like that? Tell the kids this is important and that you're doing that not just for themselves, but for them. Right. Cause prayer, often we can see prayers. It's like almost, I hate to say it, but often we can see prayer in a very narcissistic sense. Like what's it going to do for me? Right. Well, prayer is actually meant to be other-centered, right? It's supposed to be focused yeah. on God and the needs of others. So allow that kind of quiet prayer that is fruitful for ourselves, but offered for your kids. And those are, I mean, I'm just thinking outside the box and I'm just trying to like think off the top of my head here. Obviously I don't have kids. I don't know all those dynamics, but just, but I do think if you can try to carve out those five minutes a day, yeah, at the very least, when it's a bit more hectic, I know it's adding one more little thing to the pile, but it's that place of peace and grace that you have that'll sustain you. Uh, as you do the day-to-day tasks
0: yeah well i know you know when we had younger kids we when they were in bed at night albert and i used to pray like we would say night prayers with the kids but then we'd pray mm-hmm. a rosary while i folded the laundry right so that I, yeah. I could get a task done you know while he um uh led the rosary right and so it felt like it was helpful to me because i was actually mm-hmm. getting something concrete done that was mindless you know i could easily yeah. in fact if my hands are busy i often find it easier to focus on prayer <laughs> but you know and, and i mean even very small children can can learn you know do We just need a a minute or two and start there, right? It's it's a good foundation.
1: Yeah, and give the kids, if they're, especially with their literal, give them, you know something tangible to play with in the quiet time, right? Mm-hmm. There's this is the again, we're we're embodied creatures, so we need tangible things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I often say to people, if you're struggling, focusing in quiet prayer, take a rosary and just say like Jesus' name slowly on the beads as you're trying to pray quietly. Mm-hmm. That's God, God wants you to contemplation is not meant to be like this bodiless, imageless thing, but it's meant to be mm-hmm. opening our heart receptively to God. So if that if you need something tangible to age you in that there's no, that's actually a good thing and it's worth embracing yeah. and give the kids stuff too if it helps them and it also helps them see like these things are normal
0: <laughs> yeah. right
1: um and that they're good things to have around the house and and so they'll know oh I have my you know my my toddler rosary beads or whatever the <laughs> like big foam balls for beads <laughs> or whatever but the kids the will glow know in the dark ones yeah but the kids will know at that time like hopefully Oh, yeah, this is the time where we're supposed to be quiet for a bit. Mm -hmm. Like kids learn these things very well and very intuitively. So, you know,
0: experiment. compare it to a, you know, like say dinner, you know, that, that, um, and is always helpful when you have one that's a little bit over, you know, four or five, but you sit down to have dinner and the younger kids, the first one it's usually harder with, but then the kids after that, Oh, okay. It's the time when we sit and eat dinner and there's not really the fuss of making them sit in the chair or trying to, you know, get dinner over. So, I mean, prayer can be the same idea. I'm going to backtrack for a second. Cause you said something really interesting. I thought when you were talking about a priest, you, you're coming to say mass and you're not doing it perfectly. You know, um, most of us mm-hmm. who take our faith seriously would would be so empathetic to that that mm-hmm. you might not be at the top of your game, that you might stumble over words, that you might, you know, have your mind on other things. That you and you would come to mass and say mass for us, and we would see that God is working through you anyway mm-hmm. and bringing us the sacraments, right? But as parents, maybe that would be a great analogy for us to consider: is okay, I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my job. Um, I'm not doing it perfectly, but God is still. All those graces are still available to me. So if we if we can allow, if we can be generous enough to allow our priests to, you know, uh, fumble or fall short or, or whatever it is they do, and we are, why can't we do that with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, we're
1: always our worst own critics. We, we are right. We really are because you're probably Beat much harder up. on yourself. oh yeah 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 i'm very gentle on others very hard on myself
0: i know Mm -hmm. yeah okay so that's line one okay uh okay so the next next sentence is the role of parents in education is of such importance that it is almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute Mm -hmm.
1: yeah isn't i mean and so it's interesting because they're using and i i I was trying to look up the uh, citation but i couldn't figure out which uh which document it was that it was. Signing. I found uh, it. Oh, Which, which yeah. one was it? It
0: is. Is it Familiaris um,
1: Consortio or is you know, no, that
0: ed- ed- Educationes?
1: Oh, okay. Oh okay. no, sorry. Number the next one was Familiaris Consortio. So I haven't. I yeah. actually haven't read that document. I haven't actually even heard of it before. So that's interesting.
0: Me neither. And I, I actually it? picked it up. What's that? It's Pope Paul VI, 1965. Okay. It was oh, one of the declarations huh. that came out of. Um, uh, Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. And so I only read this section, but I thought, oh, this is really interesting because it actually deals with um, with like Catholic universities and various other things. It's a very short document. Mm-hmm. So um, I would encourage parents to, to read, and quite readable. So I'd encourage mm-hmm. parents to read that one. I only read, like I say, the one section, but I thought, oh, this is a very accessible document mm-hmm. a little bit dated I would say like mm-hmm. not in terms of eternal truths obviously but mm-hmm. but dated in its language right right, right so it right. might be something that um but it might be a little more accessible than some things um Familiaris Consortio I think is is so thank you is so worth a read yeah um
1: it's and it's an, it's a thick document as is oh, uh constant with John Paul II
0: but yeah and pithy but oh wow yeah. I i just it just it was a kind of a game changer for me
1: And it really is, it really is kind of the document on family life in the church still to this day, still to this day. Yeah, I Um, I
0: agree completely.
1: um, But um, yeah, so I know I was just, I was kind of curious where that was coming from. Because it'd be interesting, like, it's always, when you see a quote, you're like, okay, what's the context of this? Because what was of interest to me when I hear that quote is they're saying it in regards to... um, they're they're talking about it in reference to spiritual and moral education. So I'm wondering, does the document talk about this just in moral and spiritual education, or does it extend it further to kind of all education?
0: Um Yeah. I right? forgot to bring it upstairs with me, but I I um I'll share it with you. Actually, yeah, I'll put a link it in the show notes, actually. Sure. Um, because there's definitely a contextual aspect to it, but it's pretty broad about the education of children. Right. And so, you know, here's what it's saying here: it's 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 of such importance that it's almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute. Now, some Some people, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I have had people say, well, that, that is an argument for homeschooling. Now, obviously, you know, that's the choice I made, but it wasn't because of this. I hadn't read it at that point in my life. Um, But I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, you could certainly use it as a a good foundation. Okay. I mm-hmm. want to take the, my kids education really seriously and it has to be infused with um, my spiritual life. Therefore um, that is why I'm going to homeschool. You could, mm-hmm. you know, definitely it would support your decision for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I do believe though, out of that myself is that our all aspects of our children's education, we must be deeply involved in the choices, right? Because we can't just leave that to, okay, well, there's a public school a block away, therefore that's where they go. I'm no questions asked. Yeah. We have to be intimately involved in those decisions.
1: exactly. and it's it's and it's a very hard thing, I think, for people to comprehend and wrap their head around today that. A parent really has both the duty and responsibility to know what their kids are learning at school, <laughs> right? This is because is yeah. what the document means. Like you're right, I, I kind of I agree with you. I don't think it says you have to homeschool. I think it's saying that if you if you choose to homeschool, great. But if you don't, you're still. A, this is not a way to hand your kids' education the responsibility of education away from yourself. Yeah, a teacher is not meant to be a substitute for parenting in this yeah. area. It they are an aid in this area yeah. who and a support that the parent ought to be intimately involved with.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I mean, I think that the many aspects of the school system are kind of set up that you know, well your kids are kind of this part of your kid is mean as mine now mm-hmm. and you know, there can be that attitude as well within the school system which is, you know, you going to those are that's a red flag for sure for parents if that's mm-hmm. the kind of attitude you're meeting. You yeah. know, and there's teachers out there who would not be, uh, right. you know, not be like that. But, you know, if you see that as a general attitude in a public or private school, that's something to be a watchful of.
1: And be watchful. I mean, I don't think, uh, as uh, is often the case, I don't think a lot of these things are conscience, conscious. They're just cultural. No. So I agree. Yeah. the way we've approached education now, a lot of teachers sometimes just kind of presume it's their job to form this child. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but not in the way you think it is and not yeah. and not with, and I mean, again, it's also hard the way even education has set up today that for parents to actually be actively involved in their children's education mm-hmm. to know what's going on in the classrooms, right? So it's just, the, but yeah, what the document is trying to say there is that there is, in other words, there is no actual substitute. And so a parent has to know what's going on in their education. So if they are going to, um, if they are going to, to a public school or even a Catholic school to mm-hmm. actually find out like, what'd you learn today? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the social aspect of it too, yeah. you know, we just can't uh, sort of stress that enough. I don't think that we need to be intimately involved in what, what is going on in their lives.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. You know, because well, that's part of the moral formation often. Right. And even yeah. the spiritual formation. Absolutely. So it, it, those are, those are really important. It doesn't mean, you know, it's hard because like, then it often, maybe sometimes when the parent wants to be really involved in all this stuff, they can become a little, maybe I'm not saying it's often the case, but I've seen it where the parent becomes overbearing, right. Yeah. Where they're concerned. It's like, wait, your shoes got untied at school today. Oh, I'm phoning the principal or something like that. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. I've heard similar stories before in school. So it's like, um, you know, it's not about being overbearing, but it's just about Having an active charitable involvement. Yeah. And, and and when you come against something you might not agree with that's happening in the school for your child, uh, to approach it with charity and not aggression, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Those are really all important things and all of that. So yeah, I agree. I think homeschooling, great. But also if you're not homeschooling, that's fine. But then you have, there is, this is not a way for you to forfeit that part of your child's life.
0: Yeah. And another thing too, like as a homeschooler, you absolutely have the option to contract things out, right? I contract out their music. I contract out sports. You know, there's things I contract out. You have to kind of look at it as though if you put your kid in school, you are contracting out their academic education, and Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's a that's a totally valid life choice that a parent can make. But, you know, you're not going to um, send them off to soccer and be completely blind to, uh, you know, inappropriate language being used or, uh, you know, people that you don't want them being around. Right. That needs to be addressed. Right. Exactly. And exactly. so, you know, same same with with school. You know, we're contracting out what is actually our job. Exactly. Right. And so if we see it in that light. OK, next. um uh, Oh, this is a great line. Uh, the right and duty of parents to educate their children The rights and the right and duty of parents to educate their children are primordial and inalienable. So this is, I mean, on the same topic, but what does it mean? Inalienable. What does that, uh,
1: It cannot be alienated. So inalienable and alien to be an alien is to be a foreign is to be pushed to be something foreign in a way. So inalienable means something that cannot be pushed away, that it is inherent and, um, cannot be removed no matter and even when there are sometimes government policies or whatever that interfere with that, it's not actually removing the right because it's 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 based in your personhood and in your vocation and in the nature and structure of marriage and family. Right. So it's it is no, even if there is interference, it cannot actually remove the right because it's actually based in being a human being, right? That's what we call it like to use a technical phrase, we would call this like a like an uh it's it's uh, it's got its foundations and like a basic. Christian anthropology, a basic Christian vision of the human person, that this is part of what it means to be human. Right? And it's also um, I also love how it talks about how it's primordial. This, that's the for me. That's actually even the cooler part of it. Okay. Because primordial, like primordial, means essentially we're hearing there before the fall. This is how God instituted mm. the family from the beginning. It is something that has not been lost by the fall. Ah, okay. It might have been twisted and
0: right. You know,
1: because of the fall, but it's, it's, it's because marriage, as we know, is not a result of the fall. It's something that exists beforehand. And so if, if if that's the case, then those things that are good and holy to marriage, they are there from the beginning. And that's what we hear my primordial. That's what we should be hearing that this, this, this right is how God created families to be.
0: Okay. And so the, the closer we are living to that really, in a sense, the closer we're living to our, our ideal.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and to um, our ideal okay. and and to how God has created us to be. Yeah. So it, it's very, it's a very, it's a very powerful word when you hear that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if no, with that understanding for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to jump one segment here just mm-hmm. because I think it addresses already a lot of what we've talked about, but I'm going to jump to the next um, article 2223 mm-hmm. uh, probably the most quoted by by homeschooling parents anyways, in terms of supporting their decision to homeschool, right? Okay, the church has my back here in a sense, right? Uh, Parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. So we've we've talked about that. They bear witness to this responsibility first by creating a home. I love this line. Where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service are the rule. So I'd like to talk about those words for a moment because they're important uh tenderness forgiveness respect fidelity most of it, what do they mean what do they what does that right. what does that mean for us how do we how do we live our lives
1: well i'm going to just go back just like three words earlier first though because okay. i think this is this is the groundwork for all of this you'll okay. notice how it puts in italics creating a home right yeah when the catechism um italicizes something it's saying um I'm trying to really emphasize something here, right? Um, so creating a home, like that parents are co-creators with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. You are really creating something. I, was, I did a funeral last week and I was talking to the daughter and she goes, my mom was a homemaker, but in the best and truest sense of the word, she literally made the home, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, what a great way of talking about it. And I think it's yeah. the same thing here. Parents yes. have this, you are creators. Like, because you are, and why? Because you were co-creators with the, with God in the, in the, in your children, right? God just doesn't, God just doesn't throw a child on your lap, right? Um, It comes from your conjugal love. Right. So the, so as we talked about earlier with this idea that um, the um, conjugal love is not just limited to the procreation of a child and that's it, that you're done being a, mother and a father so too if conjugal love is the is something that creates with god well that and that and that role doesn't end with the with the child being born but continues on afterwards then the act of creation continues
0: so when when in a sense what they're saying is you your responsibility is to create this home and these are the things these are the tools you will use to create that home. and and we're talking less yeah. about, I mean, it's a home, but we're talking about the place people want to be, the place people feel safe, yeah. um, the place where people want to come back to, you know, this is it's it's a kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. right?
1: Well we're talking about the domestic church, like this yeah. is when I'm reading this, all I'm the phrase that just keeps on hitting me over and over again is domestic church, domestic church, domestic church, mm-hmm. because what are because what are all those virtues there? but the virtue of the Christian. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah. So, it, I mean, tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity. Uh, I mean, respect is really important there actually, because it's under the, this is under the section of the fourth commandment, right? Uh, so re- honor your father and mother. This is an important thing, but also children, parents respecting their children, et cetera, fidelity
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and fidelity. I mean, that like, fidelity is not just like, I am I'm going to a little all over here, but fidelity is not just between the spouses, Mm -hmm. but fidelity to the mission, right? Like if, you know, perhaps I know the male experience a bit better, obviously. So, um, uh, you know, if you're really interested in, uh, you know, if you're a guy, you love playing poker, well, you can't go out playing poker five nights a week Mm -hmm. because you owe a fidelity to your home. Yeah. And if you are, you are actually being in a way unfaithful. Right. Right. Or, you know, you're always yearning for these other projects that turn your attention away from the more fundamental. I'm saying that these other things aren't bad, but they should mm. often just be seen as leisure and, and serve. And as long as they're in service to the mission, if they're not in service to the mission, they ought to be kind of pushed aside for now. Right. Um, fidelity is, and it, it's also children's fidelity to their parents, right? And to their siblings. Like it's, 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 a, it's a mutual fidelity of all members of the family where you guys are the first, the family really is the first place of love.
0: (laughs) And And to Christ, fidelity to Christ in in kind of all that we do.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, so it lists all these virtues, tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity. I mean, and and you uh, list these off and you often perhaps maybe reflect on your home life. You think, Mm -hmm. oh, I got a ways to go sometimes.
0: (laughs) This is to me, this is a phrase that should be framed and up in everybody's house. Your first Mm -hmm. responsibility is to create a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service are the rule. I want to hone in on this phrase, disinterested service, for a moment. I had a when I first read this in the catechism as a, you know, kind of a baby Christian, um, I was a little weirded out. Uh, You know, I loved everything the catechism had to say about family life, but that word disinterested service, that phrase disinterested service, weirded me out a little bit because I thought I, we shouldn't be disinterested in our children. Right. Right. We shouldn't be, it sounded distant. It sounded, um, uh, I don't know, old school if for lack of a better word, but what I came to believe, and maybe you can flesh this out, what I came to believe, you know, after I had really pondered that word for a long time, a year or two, that phrase, was that it means you're invested, completely invested in your children, but you can stay transcendent to the emotions going on in your household or the mm. problems. Do you know what I mean? Like you're disinterested in the, um, you're transcending, in a sense, the issues, hmm. right? In in in, uh, in lieu of the relationship. So the issues aren't what matters. What matters right. is the relationship, right? Right. Between God it's, and the children, right?
1: Well, there's two things that are going through my head with, when I hear that word. One, is, I mean, one is actually um, um, from St. Ignatius, from his principle and foundation, right? Where he talks about this, what he calls what he calls indifference. <laughs> and you hear the word indifference, you think lukewarm, you think not caring, yeah. et cetera. That's not what he means by that. He means you choose the one thing necessary, namely God. And that you care neither for riches or poverty, uh, sickness or health, Mm -hmm. whatever brings you holiness, you will choose that because you choose God. And I think that is one sense of the word disinterested there. It's this Ignatian sense of indifference. But it's also, when I hear it often, when I hear it, especially in the Catholic context, I hear uh, disinterested in self.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, that's a very, that's a full explanation. Right?
1: Because if you're thinking of yourself, like, I'm not like, I don't, you know, like you're a teenage boy. I I don't want to do this. I want to play my video games. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, you're not being disinterested in self. And so you're not showing Christian love for the good of the family, you know, um, you're just looking out for number one there.
0: That was a good imitation. Were you a teenage boy once?
1: Yes, actually. Yes. (laughs) Believe it or not, priests uh, are not born priests. Um. You know, we are yeah, teenagers just you just nailed in. it. You just, just nailed it. We sleep until noon, we don't take showers and uh <laughs> and we stay up till three o'clock in the morning playing you video. Three games.
0: hamburgers <laughs> at midnight. I know, yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, okay, well yeah, that's so beautiful. That, that's yeah. a
0: very uh full uh definition. I'll link um the um the reference that you made there with St. Ignatius because mm-hmm. I think that's valuable for parents. Um so the home is well suited for education in the virtues. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to what we've already said about what do we, here's the big question. Again, yeah. we've talked a lot about this, but what do we do? It's well-suited to education. Well, maybe I don't see myself as very virtuous. Where do I start? How do I become more virtuous? Or maybe I'm virtuous, but I, we all aren't, none, none of us have arrived. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> when, when I'm, when I'm, people ask me that question, I always say, well, what's the one th- I always ask them like, well, I want to grow. I'm like, okay, well, great. Where? Like, usually most of us, if we're actually taking our faith seriously, are pretty aware of our weaknesses right. and of our vices. Um, and so if you know what your vices are, well, the beautiful thing is there's always a competing virtue um, and there's an opposite virtue. And so that's where you start the work. And I, my, my prince, and it's always simple. It's okay. Let's say, um, let's say your virtue is that you're, you know, your are uh, or your, your vice is, um, laziness or something like that and so the the laundry always gets delayed and you're always on your phone and you know all these things and i always say well my my spiritual principle is simple you do not train to run a marathon by starting to run a marathon right because you will literally kill yourself um <laughs> you, you run a few blocks yeah right that's how you start the training and so it's the same thing with virtue you start so okay laziness is a vice that i have and i want to to grow in the virtues of timeliness and, and promptness, etc. Well, okay. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, I know families, laundry is a daily occurrence, literally. Mm-hmm. Well, after the kids get off to school, that's the first thing I'm going to do. No matter how much I want to do it, no matter how much I want to check my phone, that's the right. first, and that's where you start.
0: Right. And You do before it for three I or even, four. Maybe, yeah. Before I even allow myself to check my phone. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: And you, do that. And I always say you need about usually three to four weeks to form a habit and then it'll stick with you. And then you add something else on top of it. Just one thing, because here's the other thing I know. Yeah. With kids things things are hectic, et cetera. It probably is too much to do. And most of us actually fail when we try to do 10 things at once anyways, and it feels too much. So my, my thing is start, that's where you start. And if, and then the kids will see it too. That's, that's the thing when you education and virtue is, for for the Catholic vision of education in itself, education, again, is not just something didactic to learn propositions and truths of things, but it's also to see it as something lived and vital. And so a child is educated in virtue, not just by being told what it means to be good and the, right. the ways that virtue exercises itself in one's life, but they see it as something that their parents are growing in. And also that their parents can be vulnerable enough Mm-hmm. to lot, because here's the other thing. We, as as a former child um um we <laughs> nice see had parents, all this
0: life experience to bring we see, into the yeah we see
1: <laughs> your parents weaknesses uh sorry folks your your kids know your weaknesses already um they so you're not hiding it from anybody yeah.
0: and they will pounce on them at certain ages too so just
1: <laughs> and very intuitively and not and and very violently almost like yeah. very biting <laughs> words sometimes you know um But so don't hide it. Embrace your weaknesses as the place where, because that's, again, that's where Christ's grace is at work and to do it with confidence and to let your kids see that you're making an effort with Christ to grow in virtue in that area. And then it'll show them a, like it'll show them a few things that you're not ashamed of those things, that you recognize them, that you recognize them in your parenting towards them and that you know you're not a perfect parent because there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And then in some ways, I think that, leads them into the almost the heart of the virtues itself, which is that virtue, the education, the virtues starts with recognizing with a humble confidence that I'm a weak sinner who needs God's help. And I saw that in my parents. And so that gives me the confidence to not beat myself up when I'm struggling with something that I can turn to my parents. I can look at them as examples of people who aren't perfect, but are striving towards holiness. Yeah, And that is an amazing education in the virtues.
0: Yeah, it really is. I'm going to ask you for another example. So, if we're talking yeah. right now about about okay, the home is well suited for education, the virtues. So, I want to grow in virtue wherever I am. Whether it, mm-hmm. you know you're you're brand new to this, the idea of virtue is new to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Where do I start? A lot of people, uh, mothers in particular, would say that their biggest struggle is things like snapping at their kids, mm-hmm. being short tempered, right? So, so what what vice? Are we dealing with, and what opposite virtue can we begin to practice?
1: Um, if it's snapping at kids, as an example, it's maybe that's a good one because it's pretty common, um, or impatience, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, uh, I would call those like daughters of anger,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Right. And for me, often the um, the the virtue, and it's actually quite a high virtue, is charity is the counterpoint to anger. Right. So, and we know it, like we all do it. We all snap, we all get frustrated in the moment. This is where, like, and it's where, like, that nightly prayer maybe is a great time for examination. Like, so I always say, like, you often probably at the beginning, when you're aware this is a problem, you're not going to be able to fix it in the moment. <laughs> you're still going to do it. Um, but you reflect at the end of the day, at focusing on that particular vice, and you think, okay, Where did I, where I snap? Okay. Here's five, six, 20, 30 places. I snapped depending on the day. Um, All right. Well, where were the big ones? Well, okay, man, I really said something really mean to that child. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. And okay. I did this and this. The next question I asked, well, why did you do it? What was going on in your heart? And you ask yourself that and be honest and say, and you might not know right away, but just you're aware. And then, if there's a need to make amends to the child, go do it the next day. Say, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. I really do love you. And I just, I allowed things to overwhelm me too much. And I and I acted in an improper way. And I really don't want to do that again. I'm going to try my best. And I'm really hoping mm-hmm. I, you can forgive me. I and mean, again, what a beautiful virtue right there, right? You're mm-hmm. showing the need for forgiveness from your children too. It's not just a one-way street. Um but you do that for a while. I often find if you do that little examination, focusing on a particular vice for a while. And again, you're not doing this. Like I always say this and I say it over and over again. Our, our sins aren't meant to bring shame. If you're feeling shame, that's not of God ever, 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 ever. If, it, if the voice in your head accuses you, it's not God. Okay. Well, stop. That's the evil one who he's the accuser and right. it's his works. Yeah, who's accusing you. Yeah. God is the advocate who is there to defend and draw us close to him. So, if you're feeling shame, I just always put that as a note because it's actually something quite common. I've noticed as a priest, people who deal with a lot of shame and I'm like, yeah, that's not guilt. That's shame. Guilt is I did wrong and I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. Shame is I'm a horrible person because I did that. Um, And that's not from God. Um, But you reflect on that for a while. You do that maybe, and you're looking at your heart, honestly, your day, honestly with Jesus. You're not doing it alone. You're doing it with him with confidence that he's going to see these sins, but he's not going to look at you in a way that says get lost because you're a sinner but he's mm-hmm. gonna see your weakness, he's gonna draw you closer to him to purify you and make you into a saint. You do that daily for two, three weeks, you're gonna start noticing the patterns. Mm-hmm. And you might notice, oh man, when the kids are running around with the toy trucks, that's when I'm most at my worst. You're yeah. gonna be more aware of that. And then you might not snap right away. You might say, Hey kids, you what? We gotta. I mean, listen, there are times we have to be firm, but firm is being different from being snappy, right? And yeah. Um, you're going to, or you're going to deal with it differently because you're going to be more aware. I don't want to snap. So I have to be more preemptive about this or something right. like that. And that, and then it just starts to grow. Virtue is very slow progress and it's yeah. not something, it's not magic. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens in small, steady ways. And That's the way it goes. And that's, I think, a great way to start to do it and be growing
0: it. And I I think maybe a good point to make, too, just what you're saying about, okay, what what sets me off, right? That, in a sense, we do have the option of saying, okay, what sets me off is when the kids are playing with X toys and they're really loud and they get running around, that really sets me off. Mm -hmm. So have a bucket you know, uh, of things that you can actually put away Mm -hmm. and bring them out knowing, okay, for the next hour, these guys can play with this or you send them down to the basement to play or whatever. You know, like allow... Allow yourself opportunities to grow in virtue right mm-hmm. by exactly. sometimes limiting the things that are triggering right yeah
1: exactly and it's also you know? good for the kids to know like you can't just play with trucks all day as much as you'd yeah. like to it's it's yes. not a healthy way of living life. so those are all good things and, and it's just and it's going to be different for everyone and, and everyone's gonna have their own vices they're dealing with. I will actually throw a little plug for one little thing because it might be helpful. I'm actually doing a talk series for my parish on YouTube so it's available mm-hmm. to everyone on the eight awesome. thought on the eight evil thoughts which is of ancient Christian oh. tradition. So it might actually deal with, it actually deals with a lot of stuff we're dealing with right now. We just had the first video up over the weekend. Another one will go up tomorrow on Thursday and it'll be up all through it. I think it will be nine of them. So St. Peter's denymo on YouTube, you'll find it there. And it's on the top of okay. the page. So people oh. might find that helpful to just learn about how our thoughts work on these different sins that we right. struggle with and how we can start preempting that and how we can start working in that and to start learning about the virtues as well in that. So
0: how long will the episodes be? About half an hour. Oh, perfect. Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's doable for parents, yeah, right? Okay, yeah. I'll put the link to that in yeah. the show notes as cool. well. Cool, cool. Um, okay, because you are on so the topic. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I might as well
1: say it. It's, it's there. Oh, absolutely. It's free. All the help
0: we can get. <laughs> we can get, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so we've kind of uh, dealt with this to some degree, but the next sentence is, this requires an apprenticeship and self-denial, sound judgment and self-mastery, the preconditions of all true freedom. <laughs> so I would like you to speak to self-mastery for a moment as yeah. being a precondition to true freedom. What does that mean? What does that mean?
1: Right. I mean, well, simply mastery over self, right? That I have control over myself. We are fallen people who um, can, you know, we, we talk about how the fall affects our experience of even bodilyness, right? So um, Paul actually uses the distinction between body, like body and flesh in, mm-hmm. in scripture. If you hear flesh, you think, hear the word fallen body. You here's the word body. That's what he means as the true authentic body that God has created. So there's something in us that's fallen that has a tendency to want to take over control of the spiritual life and of the soul. The body and soul are integrated with each other in a deep, intimate way, but the body has tried to kind of usurp the soul's power in in itself. And so self-mastery is to say that the body and soul really kind of come into a right harmony. And that comes through penance, through self-discipline. Um, through fasting and prayer, mm-hmm. all of these things are ha- by teaching ourselves self-denial, which is not denying ourselves a good things, but denying. Like actually, this popped my head. Self-denial really means denying, um, one, like denying selfishness, denying denying self in the sense of like mm-hmm. I am not first. <laughs> um, so self-mastery is where we come to that place where I don't think of self anymore. I only think of others and that takes time. And, and again, the, 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 actually the, the church is giving us a high goal there. You're, none of us are going to have perfect self mastery, um, but it's a, it's a, it's what I love there is its connection to authentic freedom.
0: I know. Like,
1: because freedom is not to do what I want, when I want, how I want freedom is the ability to choose the true, the good, and the beautiful in the moment that I'm in. Right. Mm-hmm. That's freedom. But that's only possible when we allow ourselves our, to be properly ordered, which means um, allowing ourselves to, uh, because otherwise we all know what we all, we have all experienced the lack or limiting of freedom in our life. Yeah. Because we sin and then we go to confession and we know we did wrong and we couldn't control
0: ourselves. Yeah. So that lack of control isn't freedom.
1: Exactly. Right. That's, um, that's rashness. That's, um, you know, that's sometimes it's something deeply felt. Sometimes that's not mm-hmm. freedom. That's just, that's just our instincts, if you will, kind of pushing us to do something, but we are also beings who are rational. Mm-hmm. It's not to say like the reason has a play to play there, a point, a place to play there in all that to say, no, no, we can guide this, but we need to reduce the power of sin in your life in order to do that, which means you have to do self-denial, prayer, fasting, and all that stuff.
0: Right. I always feel like for me anyways, as a, you know, when I was a new Christian, I, I the my introduction to Lent, you know, is a very different idea for me 30 mm-hmm. years ago. This, you know, but I felt like the, the church requires so little of us, right? right? You know, we we fast and abstain on Ash Wednesday and on Good Friday. And we fast uh, from meat on Fridays, you know, it's, it's bare yeah. minimum. And the church asks us for prayers and almsgiving, but so little to start with. But I feel like she's laying the foundation for us. It's like, just do this little thing, mm-hmm. right? In order to grow into greater... Um, Uh, ability right baby steps you know so we we make these little baby steps that the church asks of us but ultimately over the years you start to think i i can actually do more than that right Right. i've i've seen how this can help me grow how how it can uh you know self-mastery in particular is like to be able to hold your temper when your kids are freaking out or mouthing off or whatever you know it's it's uh
1: yeah
0: feels very good right
1: yeah yeah, or or you know, as 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 in Seinfeld, you just scream serenity now, so you don't yell at the kids or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, no, but it's it's in the church, like with Lent, she gives us pretty bare minimum stuff. I mean, because the whole point of those disciplines is that it's a work of the whole church. So first, Lent it actually almost lays the front, ground groundwork right there to say, Lent isn't about you. Yeah, it's not about like me personally individually. So, well, I'm giving up candy because I need to eat less sweets. That's dieting that's not penance <laughs> um we got no no i'm doing this because i recognize i give into the sin of gluttony by eating too much candy and uh, i need to fast from these things so that i can focus more on god or whatever you know like um but those those groundwork things are there to say like this is a work of the whole church we're all fasting on the same day we're all abstaining on the same day it's something shared to help us see that this is uh, first the church really primarily is social in that sense, but also that then what I'm doing for Lent is, is a way to help grow in my communion with the church by recognizing my own sinfulness and where I need to grow. But then I'm, I'm out of my own freedom because a good parent doesn't mandate everything. Yeah. Right. We all know it, right. It's, it's the expectation of the husband to bring flowers on an anniversary. It's not mandated. Although, Uh, It's not mandated, but it's that extra step of love that one looks for to show a real love, yeah,
0: to be right, yeah.
1: And that is where that's where we then take on our own self responsibility to say, "I'm going to do this for Lent this year." And some years it's going to be more, and some years it's going to be less. Like for me personally, because I had a pretty bad month in January, it's just getting my prayer life back in order. Mm That's my Lent, that's my, that's yeah. it. That's Don't it. Don't
0: take on extra. You've got I'm not this taking on pretty yeah. foundational thing, right? Yeah,
1: This and this is important. I'm not saying I wasn't praying, but it wasn't as much as I usually do. And so yeah. I'm like, that's my Lenten discipline. And that's very vague, but I kind of know what I need to do with that. And I'm yeah. doing it. And it's helped me kind of reorient my life again in a better yeah. way. So that I, I'm, not, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it so that I can live out my mission as a priest for my parish, right? Yeah. To my friends and family, like to others to be more, other centered because that's what really prayer ought to form us in. So I'm not I'm doing it yes for me, but that's a secondary cause. The primary yeah. cause is to do it for the good of the church.
0: You know, to I'm just gonna go back to this sentence for six. So the precondition of all true freedom yeah. is self-mastery. Um, one of the things, and I I just to bring in your comment about the whole church, you're doing something communally with other people yeah. in Lent. Um, one of the ways I was able to step into that, because that that idea was not clear to me when I first started this journey. Mm-hmm. Um But when I started realizing, okay, this is not about me, right? This is about drawing closer to God. So one of the ways I stepped into that social nature of, of, um, penance say, Mm -hmm. was to offer it for another person. Mm -hmm. So something really, it became much more tangible to me is that this is not self-oriented. This is, you know, other, other oriented. So if I can, you know, maybe this fasting is really hard for me, but if I can offer it for somebody I know who's suffering right now, um, that became more, the, the social sense of it started to trickle down,
1: right? Right. And that's the community of saints, right? This is the whole nature of the church. It's something I, I always try to mention it because it's something I'm actually really big on is that the church by her nature is actually social. And so by that, it means to be a Christian is not a me and Jesus relationship, but it's a relationship with Jesus through his church and that his church as one body is always acting in the world. And so it's not as, it's not like this, um, um, I'm going to take the world by my, by myself as a Christian and go out there. And ch- no, no, it's actually a work of the whole church yeah. and you are one member, one piece in it. Yeah. And so I care and want to grow in communion with everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: akin like this is why family life is so important because family, the family and our education in it. Is Like I said, it's a domestic church. It, it trains us to be members of the larger church proper. And it's an experience yeah. in a very concrete, actually in a way like the domestic church is a sacrament of the church, okay, in air quotes, but yeah. um, it's a sacrament of the church, of the experience in the family is giving me, it is an it's actually, it's a real experience of the church in a very consecrated concentrated way to help me imbue and immerse myself more fully into the larger church.
0: Right, yeah. There's only a couple more sentences yeah. left in this one. Yeah. So I think, do you have time to yep. Yeah, yep. talk 10 minutes? Okay. Um, so parents should teach their children to subordinate the material and instinctual dimensions to interior and spiritual ones. Okay. I'm going to combine the next two sentences because mm-hmm. I think they're related. Parents have a grave responsibility to give good example to their children.
1: Right. So, I mean, and this in some ways, I think summarizes a lot of what we've talked about. It gets mm-hmm. a, yeah. it's kind of bringing it all together here, right? Yeah. Um, the teacher. So when we talk about subordinate, we, it's a, that is a very unpopular word. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, it, to subordinate does not mean, it, it means to put it under the sub order, right? Yeah. So you're, or you're ordering things in it. You're putting things in a proper order, order. So, um, it's saying it's not saying material instinctual dimensions are bad. It's just saying that they're lower lower on the hierarchy, if you will, of things. Right. And so they just need to be in right relationships. So when it's talking about subordinate, subordinating material instinctual dimensions, it's saying put put them in right order. Um, right. Put them. Put them um, yeah. Put them in the right place. Um, so they
0: are not disordered. They're just out right. of order
1: because then right. they will be lived fully. Right. And they will be embraced fully. Like we are, because like, here's the thing, we are material creatures. We are embodied creatures. And so we actually have material and instinctual dimensions, right? I'm hungry. I need to eat. Uh, there's a fire in the kitchen. I got to run, right? Like, <laughs> that's instinctual but that's good like that's a good thing god created it in us for a reason the problem is it's kind of all been inverted in material and instinctual dimensions have overtaken things so it's important to say that because like when we hear word, we think less good it's not quite what it's saying it's just saying it's right. all a good just but it's got to be properly ordered and so right. those interior and spiritual uh um dimensions are of greater importance but they're always lived through the body right so um, all of those things are just important. And then, you know, then it continues, right, with that. Like, parents have a grave responsibility to give good example to their children yeah. by living first that ordering.
0: Mm-hmm. And, well, and children are, you know, young children are completely impulse driven right? They are operating on an instinctual material level all the time. And it's a very gradual move, you know, as they move towards, um, you know, the proper ordering of things. So if they don't have that example, in a sense, you know, there's a pretty good chance they're going to stay in that material instinctual um, level of life and not sort of be hampered in their maturation, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. So it's this, because again, we're fallen creatures. So that that those things take over, especially when we're younger. And that's the whole point of a parent is to say, I've been through that process and I'm going to help you get there too.
0: Yeah.
1: With love, patience, care. Yeah. Firm love when needed, but always out of that place of Christian charity.
0: Yeah. Okay, last sentence, and then mm-hmm. I just want to say one thing before we wrap up. By knowing how to acknowledge their own failings to their children, par- parents mm-hmm. will be better able to guide and correct them. Mm-hmm. Then it has a couple of scripture quotes. Uh, he who loves his son will not spare the rod. He who disciplines his son will profit by him. And Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, you know, what does walking with, you know, look like? we've We've discussed a lot of this, but... Uh, you know, walking with them includes acknowledging our failings, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's so, so important. It's like I mean, again, like this is more just experientially. It's my size as a priest, when I make a mistake, I say, "Yeah, guys, I'm sorry, I, I did that, and I shouldn't yeah. have." Or right, I said, "Or I was a little short with you. I'm really sorry." Like I have to do that to parishioners yeah. because um, I too am a sinner. Yeah, and. So what it does is it communicates to children that yes, you are a sinner, but it's not a badge of dishonor and shame. It's a, it's the place where grace begins to work. And when you can do that with confidence, when you can, it doesn't mean saying everything, you know, if there was a real bad issue between mom and dad, the kids didn't see and and they went to the kids and kind of said everything I have, like "Eh, maybe sharing too much. Right. But it's like, but yeah, no, if you yelled at your kid when you shouldn't have like we said earlier, you go and apologize later. Yeah, you say, do what? Yeah, I gave into anger there. I'm really sorry, and I love you, and I want, i don't want that to get in the way there. And kids are pretty forgiving,
0: they're very forgiving, right? If we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, right?
1: And but what it's going to do is you're going to train your kids to be have a healthy relationship with their faults and strengths mm-hmm. because that's what we all have,
0: yeah,
1: and we all want to work on all of those things. But then they're not going to again—they're going to see them as things that I don't need to be ashamed of them. They're just part of who I am and i'm going to work on that with god and his grace and that that's the place where god wants to work and that's the place to encounter him and that's great and when parents can do that by showing uh, an act, and when i act of humility mm-hmm. right when when someone in authority over us says i'm sorry i was wrong yeah. uh does a tremendous amount of good
0: Yeah. When you think when, like, uh, between spouses or between a a boss and an employee, you Mm -hmm. know, if they say, if your boss, you know, goes off his head on you or whatever, and then comes back to you and say, you know, that was, uh, that was way out of line, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. not dignified for either of us. And I'm so sorry. Right. Exactly. It's just huge. Huge. It's huge huge. for for goodwill. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But, you know, often, like, you know, sometimes we're afraid to do it because we think, oh, I might lose authority over my children. Or if you're in a workplace, I'm going to lose authority over my employees. But, it's usually the opposite. If there's fear, that's that's probably not of God there because that's a great act of humility and humility always draws us closer to God. And even if it brings about uh, a result we don't want, we have to trust that the grace is at work there in invisible ways to draw us closer mm-hmm. and others to him through that act. So trust, trust in grace.
0: Yeah such a big part of our journey thank you so much i wish we could talk for another hour I because i would love to <laughs> delve into mass but yes um maybe we for, can do for
1: every, yeah we can do it another time and for, for those, yeah. those who don't know bonnie and i have no problem talking for a very long time <laughs> we <can laughs> we're old friends so we can do it all the time yes, yes exactly. um
0: so yeah so this will go up after it's uh edited it will go up and um probably within the week uh so i'll send the links to you and whatnot cool. um thank you so so much for joining right. me terrific i'm really hopefully I that was great. okay and much fuller answer yeah. than the uh than the uh yeah. question submitter i i'm assuming was yeah uh, was expecting so i'm so grateful well i think um, you I. Find-
1: too with the Catechism is, it's yeah. uh, there, there's always so much there, so much built into it that you can just comment on it forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. Um, another thing too is, uh, I think maybe for my little Martha Martha mornings that I do, I do five or ten minutes in the yeah. morning for moms, you kind of encouragement. I might use Familiaris Consortio, yeah, and just read little bits of it, you know, yeah, so that not? they don't have to read it themselves and just yeah. comment on so I've done lots of talks on that particular yeah. document. Because the only of-
1: thing you want to check is fair use rights. Uh, okay. Right. So just, I don't, I have no idea. I'm not sure how it all works, but just okay. be, be aware of copyright issues with that. Right. But
0: right. Okay. Yeah. So if I'm just speaking to it, would that be a problem? That might be, that should be fine.
1: Okay. Uh, like what we did today was fair use, right? We're just okay. taking, if we're not reading the whole catechism on a podcast, yeah, yeah. right. Just um, uh, you just want to, those are things you always like to look into. And yeah. I'm learning more and more about how, where you have to use rights <laughs> and stuff like that every day. So, uh,
0: well, thank you again. I'll let you go. No um, God bless. And I'll say, you-, you whenever this is out.
1: Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. Thanks. Okay. God Take bless. Care. Bye.
0: Bye.